0: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the OutKick Network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
1: Armando Salguero joins us in 20 minutes as we'll discuss the Brian Flores news that he has filed a lawsuit against the National Football League and all the details within that. Armando, of course, prior to joining OutKick cover the Miami Dolphins for more than 25 years we will get details from Armando on all of that and the, the NFL news today of Brady announcing his retirement his way which was on Instagram in a post and Giselle has since posted something first time we've heard from her going back to the weekend I said hey all this deny 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 if Giselle came out and said no Tom's not retired end of discussion that's when you believe end of discussion yep uh, we never heard from her And that's why she has now spoken. That's why we always assumed Schefter was right. (laughs) Um, The the news out of Nashville and really out of Mobile at the the Senior Bowl where all the practices are going on. John Robinson, the Titans general manager, has uh, discussed Ryan Tannehill. And no surprise, he said today that Tannehill is their quarterback. Now he's pointing to not being uh, 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 not evaluating one game in totality of an entire. Yeah, read the quote first, This is uh,
2: Jim Watt, who's in in Mobile. Um, To have a micro-evaluation over one game is not fair to any player. I think you have to look at the scope of the body of work and what he's done for this football game since he's been here. I think we'd all agree that that's fair, except the micro-evaluation is not about one game. It's about what he's done in the playoffs overall. And you do have to evaluate more harshly, about what he's done in the playoffs, because this team's proven it can get to the playoffs. It's done it uh, three years in a row with Tannehill at the head, and what Tannehill's done in the playoffs is now what we in the media, what the fan base is is looking at more critically. Can he do the things you need to do? The Titans have proven they're a playoff caliber team as constructed, with the tinkering that's going to go on from year to year. They have the coach to get them there. They have the GM to construct that roster. What do they do from here? And I don't think it's unfair to – I don't think it's quite a micro-evaluation. But, yeah, it's a smaller, more granular evaluation. Can Ryan Tannehill take them from there? And I think the universal assessment is it's going to be difficult. He's going to have to play substantially better than he's played, and he's not given us cause to think that he's going to be a a loose – clean quarterback at that stage of the season.
1: We've seen him play small in the postseason in the, in the biggest moments over the last two years. And you can go back to knowing that if, if, if Henry was, it was the Henry run in 2019 that they got behind Tannehill stepped up. He was, he was throwing 18 passes a game. He made some nice throws, some, some critically important throws
2: supplementary
1: in Foxborough and in Baltimore. Baltimore, Those, those count in his favor. We can't, Tell the story without mentioning that. But once... I mean, they got up 17-7. And then once the the Chiefs shut down Henry in the AFC Championship game, that was all she wrote.
2: Mahomes took over.
1: Ball game. Yeah, Mahomes went on a drive right before the end of the half. And then the second half, the Titans weren't making that a ball game. We saw what happened last year. In the, in the most important throw of the game, he's throwing to Khalif Raymond, who fell down, instead of going to A.J. Brown. And this... This two weeks ago, this year, he's throwing to Nick westbrook akina instead of AJ Brown, and, and Julio Jones three, isn't on the field, and throwing three picks. So we're I not mean,
2: saying it's strictly it's Tannehill, not just Tannehill decision making. There is
1: an issue, and one of the topics we had last week or a week and a half ago was or last week was this is the first time I can remember media and fans being unanimous in the decision that Tannehill's not the guy to take them on the staircase level, one step higher.
2: Everybody walked out of that stadium with that same exact feeling. Nope. But not it. So, it would have to well, be it's so but, perfect and out of character. It's hard to count on
1: it. But I, I want to point this out because I, I tweeted out before the segment, Robinson saying this is a, a no-brainer. you expect. It's what we expected, and it's not a surprise, but for reasons other than what he's stating. It's what Tannehill's going to count if they were to dump him, and, and how difficult it would be to move him due to the contract, and not the contract that, he, that was extended after the 2019 season. It's the contract that was restructured whenever they brought in Julio Jones. An they extra redid 4. the contract.
2: 4.6. They put an extra 4.6 on it, plus into future years that void. Right. so like they can get out of it next year, but what accelerates into it? Hurts but if they, them more. So
1: they're not cutting him either way but if they if they did he would count correct me if i'm wrong paul over 50 million and if not over 50 right under 50 million against 56 against the, okay, 56 against he the cap 37
2: as it is so if he's on the roster he's 56. counting 37 for the i mean cap. the best case scenario is a post june 1st trade now that's not a good timetable for anybody a post june 1st trade 9.6 dead cap this year 18.8 dead cap in 2023. Sorry, I'm going out of order. Uh, but point B, yeah, it needs nine, to be after 9.6 June. 9.6 next year, 18.8 the year after, and they'd save 29 this year. But who's dealing for them? We've discussed. And then who's dealing for them waiting until after June 1st to get your things in order? Where he'd miss your your spring, which right. is when you'd install everything.
1: Exactly, you're not going to bring the new quarterback in that late, and then and then just throw it together during the preseason during training camp. It, that just doesn't make sense. So he's their guy, whether we like it, whether the fans like it or not. He's he, they've got to make it work and try to make it to a, another Super Bowl. Their hope run is,
2: with you know, you get you get back to a similar point. I don't think you're going to be the number one seed, but you win a division, you get a home playoff game at the very least, and he does better. And, and for the fans, that means you wait the whole damn season. You watch him do well enough to get you there again before but, you get to that point to see if he can do anything better. But think about in the the, some
1: of the big moments. So, regular season last year, Green Bay. They shut down Henry, game over. Uh, and then the, the last three playoff matchups we've seen Kansas City, Baltimore, Cincinnati. They shut down the run game, and they made Tannehill beat them, and he couldn't.
2: And generally, in the games, if you look, if he has to throw high twenty, certainly 30 or more, they don't do well.
3: So... What was the quote again? Micro-analyze? Is that the word he used? You can't micro-analyze after one game? To have
2: a micro-evaluation over one game is not fair to any player.
3: Well, it's unfair to call this a micro-evaluation because of one game. Yes, one game was the final straw, the the breaking point for most fans of the Tennessee Titans to say, this guy's never going to get it done on the biggest stage. And I agree with them. But this is not a micro-evaluation. This is a trend this guy was bad this year. He fell off. He had a great season. Uh, he had a bad playoff game in Kansas City. He had a bad playoff game a year ago against Baltimore at home. He fell off this season. Turnovers were up. Just inexplicable throws that you should not be seeing from a veteran went up. Decis- decision making, down. Another bad playoff. This is not a micro evaluation. This is Ryan Tannehill at 33 years old. He's not as good as he once was. And he was good for about a year and a half, and that's it. That's his career. He's He's a he's a good quarterback. He's good. He's a good quarterback that was great for a short stretch in his career. That is now, if you are hoping to get back in the same position, I don't. First off, I don't think they're going to get back in the same position. But if you're hoping they get back in the same position, and that miraculously this guy turns it around at 34 and suddenly starts playing well in the in the postseason in the playoffs, I mean. I guess go to church a lot and keep praying on that to happen, but that's not living in the real world. And I understand the real world is also the contract that they're under right now, but come on. Mike
2: Vrabel also said, we have to be great around him, which is not a terrible thing to say or to believe or to tell your guys. But the fact of the matter is at the moment or at some moments, you need your quarterback to elevate people. Yes. You don't need people to elevate your quarterback. If you need people to elevate your quarterback, you got a problem.
1: Well, I, I, I tried to make this point during the regular season and was, you know, I was laughed at because of the roster they were putting out there due to these injuries. My point was if you put the top line quarterbacks, fair or not, the top shelf quarterbacks are expected to go out there and produce with the players that they have around them week after week. And Tannehill was, you know, off and on. We saw it against the Jets where they they hit some big plays and then couldn't. He turned the football over. We saw it against the Houston Texans at home, which was just so bad. And then the worst quarterback that they faced on the opposite sideline all year, I will contend, was Ben Roethlisberger. And they go on the road and lose that game in what should have been a layup. And Tannehill wasn't hitting his layups this year. He had more interceptions this year than the previous two years combined. And that's not all due to, well, he's playing with Nick Westbrook-Akina. I'm sorry. Like, the, the the depth was a really uh, a bad thing. They went through 91 players. You just can't sweep this under the rug and say it's all due to injury.
2: No, and he turned the ball over 21 times well, he turned in it over, 18 games. He
1: turned it over three times when they had everybody back. Yep. So it's not just on the injuries here. Now, I'm open for the discussion on Todd Downing. Completely open for that discussion, which they're also sweeping under the rug, or at least publicly. But they just can't... This isn't one of those deals, Paul, where you just run it back. They've got to no, address... that's what they're going to do. Well, they've, they've got to address... And I just don't buy the fact that they're looking... In the self-evaluation that they're doing as a football program, as an organization if they look in the mirror and just run it back, they're going to end with the same result. And I, I, don't think they're, I don't think they're ignorant with that. I think they have to this self-evaluation of, okay, on the first pick, why is someone not over the top of the safety to at least draw some attention that way? There's got to be more to it than just our system works, your opinions are stupid. And the reason I say that is it's unanimous. It is unanimous in the city and unanimous across uh, those covering the team, that if they continue to just do this, it's not going I, to get I them don't, playing the Super Bowl. I don't Bowl.
3: disagree with anything that that was said by John Robinson in, in his comments to Jim Wyatt. Um, also, I'm tired of hearing the first quality of Ryan Tannehill every time someone around that organization talks about Ryan Tannehill being toughness. I don't want the first quality of my quarterback to be toughness. I want to be skill. I want it to be moxie, clutch, accurate. Those aren't the first things that you say with Ryan. I I have no doubt the guy's tough, that he can take a hit, and he can stare down a pass rush, and he can throw the football and get back up, and he can run the ball and get hit and be fine with that. Name me four starting quarterbacks in the NFL that aren't quote-unquote tough, that make it to that level as a starter in the NFL that you wouldn't say they're tough. All right, Manny. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt a lot, but I watch him play, and I don't think that he's a weak guy. I don't, I don't look at him and say he's not tough. I mean, is there a single starting quarterback in the NFL that's not tough? I don't think so. Isn't that a weird thing? To, it's always the first thing that John Robinson, Mike Vrabel, any team. Well, he's tough. He's a tough guy. Well, great. So are 31 other starting quarterbacks. I think Trevor bec- Simeon is tough. I
2: think because and he sucks. I think because <laughs> he, because he's their guy. Going forward, at least this year, what they have to address is what they can address around them, which is Downing, who I think is here, so he's got to get better. Tannehill's got to not turn the ball over, and then they've they got to get better where they can. The weaponry has to get better. You can't count on Julio Jones, I don't think, as your number two. You can you get better get a quarterback, tight end. too.
3: I don't I don't want to be a show that squashes that completely. You can try to get better at quarterback. You can try. And John Robinson will reserve the right to come back and say everything I said about Ryan Tannehill was right in the time and an opportunity presented itself if you can go upgrade. But to me And I hope that at least he explores those options. That's all I'm saying. Fix that. Get get
2: more weapons. It's it's still
1: possible. Well, don't count out this scenario. They're drafting a quarterback to replace Logan Woodside. And they're drafting a quarterback that will push Ryan Tannehill. That, that's the scenario that they're after.
2: At 26 well, or in the third possible.
1: Uh, absolutely possible. Uh, because the Kansas City Chiefs could have absolutely drafted someone else with the 11th or 12th pick when they took Patrick Mahomes. They had Alex Smith, and Alex Smith was getting into the playoffs. But that's not good enough for Kansas City. And getting to the playoffs should not be good enough for this franchise right now. That, that was good enough three years ago. You know, they they would throw a parade for what they came out of. I agree, but the window is open now here's the question to I'm actually weighing. improve the quarterback position. And if if you're not going to do it by uh subtracting Tannehill from the conversation, they need the addition of some young talent there.
2: Here, here's the question I'm asking, and we'll get into it. We'll have plenty of, course, of time to get yeah. into this. Would you take a a tight end one or a, a legitimate wide receiver two? that's going to help you every Sunday and probably in that playoff game, give, him, give Tannehill more, or a quarterback who probably isn't really going to do anything until 23. A tight end,
3: or honestly, just tight end. I would yeah. take wide receiver two well, off. I mean, I court. don't know,
1: because the last two playoff losses, they have thrown to anyone other than their top talent.
2: All right. uh, on the w- final play. With a caveat that the offensive coordinator is going to do a better job.
1: Well, no, no. With, with the quarterback, Arthur Smith did a fine job. He didn't and against it, Baltimore. He had and, a terrible and game And his against quarterback Baltimore. threw it to Khalif Raymond instead of A.J. Brown.
2: Well, Yeah, and also, though, he only had one option Raymond in that slipped. game. He tripped. He over had the only one Nissan option in that turf. game because Corey Davis was a no-show for the fourth quarter of that game. In this game, they didn't put Julio Jones on the field for that last snap. So right. the indictment was spread around. He threw it to the wrong guy, but, but also hey, one of the right but, guys wasn't even on the but, damn
1: field. But but in this game, uh, Furkshire wasn't the problem. Ferker was open. Ferkshire was
2: open. Yeah,
1: and they they neglected the, the quarterback. Not they. The quarterback neglected to even look his way, yeah. which was right in that front was a of bad him. Bad play. I'm I'm bypassing what was going on on the other sideline, which maybe it doesn't the progressions don't call for it. Yeah, who was it? That was I open can't over help there. but there see somebody- AJ. Yeah. I can't help but see the open tight end. And then a uh, Nick Westbrook-Akina, who's double-covered, co- cover. double and then by the time you throw it, there's three double dudes cover. there.
2: Yeah, No, it's terrible.
1: I, how do you answer for that? I'm, I'm not microanalyzing analyzing that. that. That ended any discussion, on top of the fact that you waited until 28 seconds to try to push the ball past midfield.
2: Not knowing who's available and all of that right now, my leaning would be still got to try to get more help for the guy you do have. And, 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 and look, address it in 23 in the draft. I,
1: I'm not sitting here saying they're, ad, they're adamant about drafting a quarterback early because they don't have a second-round pick right now.
2: That's the problem.
1: And the problem is that that's Julio Jones. But Robinson's known for making moves. They've got guys under that are going to a final year of a contract coming up that I don't, I'm not saying that they're trade bait, but again, like they've, they've got to make some moves and not just run it back. What do they? It, what I also don't know is what happens with, with Lawan and Saffold before they even get to the draft. Because that, that's another issue. They can't run it what back with David Quesenberry at right tackle. So is that Dylan Raiden's, or are they addressing that in free agency? Like there's, There are so many moving parts of the offseason, and unfortunately, there's questions about the quarterback now.
2: If Dylan Radins isn't playing next year as a starter, it's big problems. We've got
1: Armando Salguero up next. Big problems with the NFL and with the Dolphins, with the Broncos. Who am I leaving out? of the Giants. Giants. The New York Giants. They're all named in a lawsuit filed today in New York by Brian Flores. Armando Salguero with the latest next on OutKick360.
2: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. we are doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes!
1: OutKick is headed to Super Bowl 56. The three of us will be there along with Armando Salguero. We're about to chat with him about the news of the day involving Brian Flores in a lawsuit against the NFL, and he names three teams within this. But first, take advantage of a great offer right now from FanDuel.com. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Bet $5 to win $280 on either team to win Super Bowl 56. Chad, you're your famous saying with this. Why haven't you done this already? If if you haven't signed up for FanDuel Easy Money right now, you can bet now and what you can do, you can sign up and make it your first bet along with a friend of yours and you can take either team. It's a guaranteed win and then you can split your winnings.
3: Yeah, if I'm talking to the people that haven't already taken us up on this opportunity, now is the time. Super Bowl coming up. Now is the time to take advantage. Bet $5, win $280
1: with FanDuel Sportsbook. Again, that's your first time bet. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash OK360. We say hello to Armando Salguero. Nice enough to join us today. And he normally joins us on Thursdays at 320 Central, 420 Eastern. But with the news going on with the, uh, uh, Brian Flores, the former Dolphins head coach, uh, filing a lawsuit in a New York court against the NFL and names the Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Giants in this, uh, claiming that the Giants had already made up their mind over Brian Dayball well before they interviewed him, Uh, alleges the same with the Denver Broncos, and a a number of other things with Stephen Ross and the Dolphins. Armando, hope you're doing well today, and I'll just start with Brian Flores and what you have read through in the the allegations within this lawsuit. What's the first thing that jumps out to you uh, among all of the headlines that are popping up as reporters and and hosts like us read through this and try to determine what to point out
0: Well yeah thanks Jonathan. So here's the lawsuit uh this is like from my former television days you you show you show <laughs> the documentation to prove that you've got it and um, it's stunning. It's a nuclear blast through the broadsides of the NFL. And the reason that I say that, it peels back the curtain of so many things that we never guessed would happen. We would only you know, think that it might happen in someone's Hollywood script of the NFL. And yet Brian Flores is alleging that it's happening. For example, um, He says that in 2019, when he was hired by the Miami Dolphins, and um, there was, I guess, uh, reports. I know there were reports because I wrote them that the Dolphins were tanking. He says that they were indeed tanking, that he was under directives from ownership, from Steven Ross, the owner of the team to tank games so that they could improve their draft position. And that when the team started to win games at the end of the season, and they won five out of the last nine games um, with a roster that was really a triple-A roster, Stephen Ross approached it two different ways. One, he offered him, according to Brian Flores, $100,000 a game to lose on purpose. And when that didn't happen, when Flores rejected that, he got a message, he, Flores, got a message from general manager Chris Greer, who relayed that Ross was very upset and that he was screwing up by winning. He was screwing up the Dolphins' ability to get the number one overall pick. He also alleges that the New York Giants in this recent a hiring cycle decided on Brian Dayball be three days before he ever got an interview, thus making his interview a sham, you know, interview that looked good on the face of it because he, Flores, contends, they needed a Rooney Rule interview. They needed to have a black man interview, and then they hired the white guy. That's Brian Flores's contention. And to prove it. He shares text messages from Bill Belichick telling him three days before he interviewed that Brian Dayball had already been hired.
2: Set aside the the suit for a second. What do you think the league will make of the fact that an owner was willing to pay his coach
0: to lose and to tank? (laughs) I mean, Paul, if If that is not, um, you know, fines and or draft compensation penalties and to the extreme, forcing him to sell and get out because it really speaks to the competitiveness and the competitive balance of the league. Uh, I don't know what is because you hear, the rumors, right? We hear, well, you know, they're doing this so that they can set themselves up for, you know, the better draft pick. In fact, that year, the Cincinnati Bengals benched, um, you know, Andy Dalton, who was not injured and played some Scrabino whose name I, I don't remember and lost a bunch of games and thereby beat out everybody else To have the number one overall pick, which turned out to be Joe Burrow, but there's no one that was coaching the Bengals at that time, who is saying ownership made me do this. This is the coach of the team saying that he was under directives from the team to blow games on purpose. That's rough. So we
3: all remember the Donald Sterling story with the Clippers where he was forced to sell his NBA franchise. Correct me if I'm wrong, Armando, was Jerry Richardson forced to sell the Panthers by the owners or was that just a coincidence with all the misconduct investigations going on? Was he encouraged to sell? I think he bowed out. I'm I'm trying to figure out precedent here in this story because it's really interesting what you just said about the league coming to Stephen Ross and forcing him to sell the Dolphins based on these allegations, which I don't find to be that far-fetched.
0: I don't find it to be far-fetched either. It was clear to anyone with eyes that that's what they were doing. And uh, prior to that season, by the way, when they were searching for a head coach, I was working for the Miami Herald at the time, and I had a source, someone who actually was in the room when Steve Ross was interviewing one of his head coaching candidates and spoke openly with that candidate about quote unquote tanking and what it would look like. And then obviously the team sells off a bunch of players, trades a bunch of others, including Ryan Tannehill, by the way, to the Tennessee Titans. And you got to remember the reason that Steven Ross gave in 2019 for firing Adam Gase was quote, he wants to win, unquote. Think about that as a reason to fire somebody.
1: Armando Salguero, our guest, uh just just to ask the questions beneath the surface here of the, the racism allegation. How can he claim that he's satisfying the Rooney rule when when the Giants interviewed Leslie Frazier twice?
0: Yeah, not only that, but they also had Patrick Graham in there, although that one doesn't satisfy the Rooney rule. I'm not sure of the timing of the Leslie Frazier interview, whether that came before or after Brian Flores, obviously, you know, his lawyer is going to have to figure that one out, but, you know, he's claiming that that was an, an example of how black coaches are interviewed with no legitimate reason for actually getting the job. He also, by the way, included a uh, 2019 interview with the Denver Broncos in which he said that uh, John Elway, who was the general manager of the time and Joe Ellis, who is the president and CEO of the team, showed up an hour late and were clearly had been out drinking the night before. And that's how they showed up to conduct the interview with Brian Flores. So I guess what what I'm saying, and it bears repeating, this is the Brian Flores pressing the nuclear button, even as he is scheduled to talk to the Houston Texans, I believe it's uh, today or tomorrow, for their head coaching job. It's just unprecedented that this would happen.
1: And it sounds like they're going with McCown, according to what McLean told us earlier today. Um, and, and then second, so within the, the racist um, allegations, he's mentioning Miami, right? That he's tying in Stephen Ross to this, who, who hired the minority coach. So I don't know how you can right. call Stephen Ross racist when he hired Brian Flores.
0: Not just Brian Flores, but Chris Greer, uh, is the general manager and he is also black. The contention from Brian Flores is that when he was fired, Dolphin's quote unquote brass uh, made it very clear that he was not a good collaborator and that he you know, was often um, refusing to fall in line or comply with requests from ownership and others. And that, according to the suit, that painted him as the, quote, angry black man. Uh, And so, because it defamed him in a manner that, you know, was clearly, in his mind, racial.
3: This is from Cameron Wolfe of ESPN covering the Dolphins. It says, uh, tweets, message I got from Brian Flores and his team about the lawsuit, talking about his legal team, quote, It was time to stop being quiet about the injustices that are happening. This was long overdue. There's plenty of racism that needs to be exposed. So my question with this, Armando, real or perceived pressure from the NFL and the New York office for these owners or real or perceived pressure from media, are they going to be quick to hire a black coach, one of these openings that are left? Is is this where the pressure comes in now and the pressure's on? We asked John McClain about this and he said, absolutely not. They're going to do whatever they want and they're not going to feel pressure from anyone. Do you buy that or do you think there's now added pressure with this lawsuit against the league and these three other member clubs that someone's going to hire a black coach at this point? Right. So let's
0: let's work that problem through. Let's work that scenario. Can any of you guys see Roger Goodell getting on the phone with one of his bosses because uh NFL owners are the collective boss of the NFL commissioner getting on the phone with one of his bosses and telling them you have to hire a minority uh you know that's just the way we need it to happen do that and and you know, just do that. That I'm telling you, do that. That's a, that, that's a bridge kind of too far for me. Yeah,
3: And I, I don't think that would happen. You're spot on uh, with that. I don't think he's picking up the phone and calling anyone. But I think what we've seen in 2022 now is the last thing someone wants to be called is a racist. So again, I'm going with real or perceived pressure to do something. These owners may be so rich and so powerful, they just don't care. But there's a lot of people out there that would think, well, I don't want to be called a racist if I hire this white coach now that the league's being sued uh, over this. I just, I wonder if this plays a factor in a future hire at all with what Brian Flores is alleging is going on in the NFL.
0: I don't know, I guess is the right answer. I know this, the Chicago Bears are looking for a coach. They have numerous Uh, No, they're actually already hired. Eberflus, yeah. Vikings
3: are looking. Uh,
0: They hired a, the Bears hired a a black general manager. The Vikings are looking for a head coach. They've hired a black general manager uh, and interviewed several black head coaches, uh, candidates. So look, all this pressure that is real or perceived, where exactly is it coming from? to a person who has about $5 billion, seriously. I think that those guys, they wanna do what they believe is best for the NFL. They're not going to do something that they don't think is the right thing to do. And I'm not saying that, you know, look, there's some of the best head coaches ever in the history of the NFL have been black head coaches. And there are great black head coach candidates out there. I'm sure that some of them will be hired because they're just better than the next guy. But the idea of pressure being the reason that they're hired, I, I, I you know, prove it to me.
2: Flores alleges two different uh, instances of Ross pressuring him to participate in tampering. And it seems like maybe they were two different quarterbacks because Deshaun Watson makes sense for the one where they would have been on a yacht, which was during the season. The
1: yacht allegation. In the winter. During the winter. Winter. I mean, it's still winter right now in February.
2: Yeah. But uh, the first one doesn't fit a Deshaun Watson timetable. He wasn't yet in trouble um, and wasn't yet maybe parting ways with Houston. Uh, so wondering if you're speculating or have a feel for who those people might have been. I was thinking the first one was Brady. The second
0: one was Watts. Yeah. It's the same person. Yeah. Paul, because The first one happened in the winter of 2019 and the next one came in the winter of 2020, which is still January, February of 2020. When in fact, Brady was, uh, you know, becoming a free agent, and it was out there. I remember talking to Ross uh, prior to the Super Bowl in 2020 and asking him about Brady and him hemming and hawing and saying, "Well, you know, Brady is not at the same spot that we're at developmentally. Meaning, Brady wanted to go on to a championship ball club, and the Dolphins knew that they weren't that, but." Both times, it's Tom Brady.
1: Armando Salguero with us. Uh, the statement, uh, that the NFL's released a statement on the, the Brian Flores suit, and just part of it reads, diversity is core to everything we do, and there are few issues on which our clubs and our internal leadership teams spend more time. We will defend against these claims, which are without merit. That from the National Football League uh, released to the media. Um, speaking of Stephen Ross, I want to go back to a column you wrote earlier this week about Jim Harbaugh. And uh, originally, Armando, Ross came out and said he wasn't going to be the guy that took the head coach away from, uh, you know, from, his, from his school, from Michigan. But when the news surfaced that the Vikings were interested, um, your opinion was, well, the, the Dolphins are back in it. Connect the dots for us on how Harbaugh could be maneuvering his way to South Beach.
0: Yeah, Jonathan, before I do that, by the way, about the NFL statement. Yes. Of course, uh, by the way, the NFL rarely loses in court. Okay, so there's that, but that's not the problem for the NFL. The problem for ownership is the discovery phase of all that. If it gets to that and a lot of ugly stuff could come forth in that discovery phase that nobody Associated with the Denver Broncos, New York Giants, or Miami Dolphins, or John Doe teams, which Brian Flores names, which covers the 29 other teams, want out there. So it's not the W and the L at the end of the day by a jury trial. It is the discovery period that can get unseemly. And I'm sure the NFL would do anything that it can to avoid that. Now, as far as John Harbaugh, look, I had someone tell me that John Harbaugh is going to coach for one of two teams this year.
1: Jim, Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh.
0: uh, Excuse me, Jim Harbaugh. And that is the Ross Wolverines or the Ross Dolphins. (laughs) And so uh, I have a hard time believing that Stephen Ross sees Jim Harbaugh possibly taking a Minnesota job and does nothing. Up until an hour ago, I would have told you that if Jim Harbaugh is coming to the NFL, he'd be going to Miami. What this whole Brian Flores saga does to that dynamic, that's hard to predict. and, And I, for one, don't know.
1: If it's not Harbaugh, do you think it's Mike McDaniel who is scheduled to get a second interview?
0: (laughs) So all respect to Mike McDaniel, and he is getting a second interview, as is Kellen Moore uh, of the Dallas Cowboys. You guys have spent absolutely zero time uh, studying these three candidates, these three names, right? Right. Cause I have, I I spent zero time. Uh, oh,
1: I I got lost on YouTube watching Mike McDaniel press conferences he last
3: week. He is funny. He's funny in his press conferences. Uh,
0: I don't know that funny on a resume <laughs> does it. Uh, and so, on <laughs> one hand, you've got a a, a guy who has a six eighty five winning percentage as an NFL head coach and went to a Super Bowl. He has a 700 winning percentage at in college. And then you've got Mike McDaniel, who's never coached, never uh, presented in front of a room. You don't know if he's a leader or not. And then you've got Kellen Moore, who's never been a head coach, uh, actually calls the plays in Dallas. So I guess that's to his, uh, that that's on his positive side and does present to the offense, but. Really? Of those three guys, you're telling me that Mike McDaniel? Really?
3: I could put Doug Peterson up against anyone that's been hired so far and tell you if logic won out, he'd have a job already, but he doesn't.
0: Right. You're right. And (laughs) a lot of that has to do with Doug Peterson wanting certain circumstances to be in place so that he can come back and feel that He's most comfortable with the situation. So he doesn't have to deal with another, you know, drama filled ending like he had in Philadelphia.
1: Armando Salguero has been our guest. Read his work right now and his takeaways on today's news and much more. This has been com. Armando, appreciate it. We'll catch up with you later this week and then we will see you in LA. Ryan Thanks.
2: Finley was the Thanks, bad Armando. Ryan Finley was the bad Cincinnati quarterback that was playing for Andy Dalton.
0: Yo. That's it. Very memorable. Excuse my forgetting Ryan Finley. How That's all right. I do?
3: Thanks, Armando. See you on the West
2: Coast. Thanks. Uh,
0: all right, guys.
1: Armando Salguero, When
3: well, we
2: come back, another layer to Stephen Ross asking a coach to lose purposely that is really bad for the NFL.
1: This is Outkick 360.
0: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady.
2: So Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports uh, brings up a very interesting layer to this Stephen Ross stuff, which I think mm. is a, a, could amount to a nail in the coffin. This is juicy. Yeah. He was reported in November 2019 to have invested into the Action Network, which at the time was a sports gambling startup, is now a gambling site. He invested as part of a $17.5 million fundraising round. This then puts him in a position as a team owner who's invested in sports gambling, offering money to his head coach to lose games. This is huge, is it not? Yes. It's
1: huge if they can
3: prove it. Yeah. Oh, it's, well, you it's, got to it's prove a, it first. It's a damning allegation if proven correct. Because it strikes at – That's like the Pete Rose It strikes deal. at the integrity of sports. I mean, you're I mean, paying it, unless, your coach to lose. I'm
1: thinking unless there are text messages or emails where he's offering 100 grand per loss, I don't know how you prove this.
2: Yeah, he's Rachel well, Phelps from Major League. Yeah, Armando said uh, – he didn't say that Greer knew about the $100,000 offer, but that Greer conveyed Ross's dismay about the winning, botching the plan. So Greer, Greer's deposition in this stuff is going to be significant. Right, but,
1: but again, like you deny, 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 and then it's on, it's on Flores to prove it. Yeah, you know
3: he's in a really tough spot right now. Uh, I'm De- not saying he can't. Did he either. wear a wire?
1: I'm not saying he can't prove it either. I'm just I need to see more than just a line on a sheet of paper. Yeah, but I
3: mean, how explosive? If he can prove it, how explosive is that? Massive. Ross is dead. You, Massive. You guys know he's in a real tough spot right now. Darren Ravel. <laughs> Because Darren Ravel is an employee of the Action Network. <laughs> and Darren Ravel, he's in he's a, a, a tough spot. A guy who owns a Rosa Parks signed NAACP card right. and bragged about it now can either speak out <laughs> against his boss, Stephen Ross, that employs him and go
1: with this lawsuit. Or he's against Or Lorette.
3: stay silent and always be blamed as someone who just takes the check. Stay tuned. And stay silent when injustices are happening You're around right. him. This is a going very tough dance, moment. I've yet ex- to see Darren Ravel tweet about this story. We're all on you the edge just of our tweet, seat. What
2: will da- what will Darren Ravel do here? Oh. Question mark. And just let it sit.
3: I mean, yeah. They'll try is both. A, this is a tough spot. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna try to walk Sleep the, on it? He's gonna try to walk <laughs> the line on both sides, and it's not gonna come
2: across. I think well. first you gotta have a tossy turny, sleepless night. Wake up and then By the proceed. time
1: by the time we get on the air tomorrow Uh, which will be 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central. Will Brian Flores be on camera speaking about this?
2: No, I think it'll let the suit speak for itself. The lawyer might be on camera speaking about this.
1: And is he still interviewing in Houston? That's scheduled for tomorrow,
2: right? Well, if Houston backs out of it, how bad does that look? I don't know. Well, they've already made
1: up their mind, according to McClain. Well, this would be
2: another interview that fits that, though surely they've they've interviewed people that fulfill the Rooney rule. Yes. But, but I don't think you can back out of it now. It looks awful. Um, but, I mean, their whole thing looks awful. I mean, how many people are going to interview before they hire the guy that they know they want to hire already? Hey, I we're going to hire you with mess. no experience at the college or pro level, <laughs> but we're going to continue to interview people, so, uh, and we have no idea what that says. Until we figure anybody. out
1: how to spin it to our fan base that this guy deserves to be our head coach, which is Josh McCown. McClain said Josh McCown's going to be the pick. Uh, but no one in the organization will, will confirm that yet because the interviews go on. The He's show a major goes on league
2: baseball-level puppet yeah. coach.
1: Hit us up on Twitter. In the meantime, at Outkick360, hit the site as well for Armando's columns and much more back at it tomorrow.
2: Don't block the box. Do lock your locks.